It's time for the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Michael is a speaker, author of two best-selling books, and the president of three financial companies. He's also a frequent guest on national media outlets such as CNBC, Fox Business, and Bloomberg. His passion is to help you live well in retirement. This is the Wealth and Health Show. Welcome in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're going to have a great show today. We're actually joined with Dr. Paul Greasley. He's retired from Pratt Whitney, a real rocket scientist. We're going to talk about him in just a minute. And, you know, every week we, we're really blessed to have the opportunity to interview a lot of different guests from around the world and around the country that are not only high-level performers, entrepreneurs, those who have mastered their craft, to C-level executives, you know, really leaders in the coaching field, as well as doctors, different holistic experts, again, as I mentioned, from all around the world. And it's really neat to have these different conversations with all of these folks who have a vast amount of knowledge in a variety of areas that really can bring thoughts and ideas to you, the listener, to hopefully help us all live well, you know, regardless of what's happening. And Dr. Paul Greasley is, uh, I'm excited about the show today because uh, it's going to be really, really fun. We're going to talk about some things that we've all heard about the rocket scientists before. Well, he's actually one of them. And Dr. Paul, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to joining you for sure, Michael. It's going to be a great show. And, and give you a little quick background on him. He, uh, again, worked with Pratt Whitney, pretty well-known company, and uh, worked on engines. Is that right? Of the space shuttles? That's true. Worked and, on the space shuttle main engine alternate turbo machinery. And from that experience, moved on to Russian rocket technology. Actually living in Moscow, Russia for five years. Wow. Yeah, working with some of the most senior Russian rocket scientists out there today. So if you heard the term, I remember uh, my kids, when they were younger, went to a Montessori school, and uh, you got to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> that's kind of cool yeah. to kind of hear that. Now, when you went to Moscow, what was the purpose of kind of going over there? What all moved? How did that happen? Well, the United States needed a new booster rocket engine for the Atlas launch vehicle, mm -hmm. and Pratt Whitney uh, provided the funding for the a program and the Russians had the technology. So we co-developed co the RD-180 rocket engine for the booster stage of the Atlas launch vehicle. And it was an exciting time. We really did have a sense that we were making history. Mm -hmm. Every day you'd get up with that sense. This is for real. We're making something that's never, never happened before. Now I am not, um, you know, I wouldn't be considered a scholar when it comes to rockets. And, and, you know, I think it's cool to watch. I mean, we've, we've been to, uh, you know, Cape Canaveral, and we've looked at some of that. We took the kids and, you know, saw all the exhibits and all that, and it was really, really neat, but I yeah. wouldn't consider myself an expert. Um, from your experience there, and you were with Pratt Whitney a long time, weren't you? Yeah, I was with them a total, uh, with the corporation for almost 30 years. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So 30 years of Pratt Whitney. And what, some of the things that you saw there, was it always working on engines, or did you kind of move department to department? What did that look like for you? Well, if you turn the clock back even further from when I graduated from the university, I was always interested in propulsion systems of whatever mm -hmm. sort you might imagine from, at the very beginning, diesel engines and then automotive engines and then farm equipment and anything that would make noise and, and get <laughs> really. A rocket engine makes a lot of noise. Yeah. So getting product from point A to point B was what it was all about. And I mm -hmm. always, always had a passion for that. So uh, moving into uh, rockets was really the progression of many, many years of experience and, mm. and, and, and jobs before that time. The thing that appealed to me so much about the rocket engine program was the fact that 
what you have when an engine starts is a controlled explosion mm-hmm. with a lot of fire. That's interesting. With a lot of energy taking place in a very small place at a, at a, at a, at a very short time. So that, that was just say that this is really state of the art. This is something that's never been done before. And we were doing it. Mm-hmm. We were actually doing it. That's neat. You know, when you think about that, a, contro- a controlled explosion, when you think about that, folks, so oftentimes I love, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in motivational type things. And of course, motivation doesn't help you do everything, but it does help you to do everything better than negative thinking. Positive thinking, I should say, helps you every- do everything better than negative thinking. And when you think about the idea of a controlled explosion, or really when you think about that in your life, that's kind of what you want to shoot for, isn't it? I mean, you want to be in a place where you say, okay, you want to explode so you can help as many people as possible do what you do. And by the way, I want you to make sure you stick around. We're not only going to talk to uh, Dr. Paul uh, Greasley about his history and time and, and Pratt Whitney and, and the engines and all these other things. We're also going to talk about leadership. He's kind of moved into as he's retired to really become a key leader in, in that field. And we're going to talk about sources of leadership influence, why that's important to you, having the right leaders in your corner to get you to go where you would need to go as far as in business, personally, and all these other things. But uh, by the way, the other thing I want to mention, folks, that at any point in time, if you want to join the conversation, send us a tweet at Lean on the Wall. Again, at Lean on the Wall. Reach out to us and share your thoughts. If you uh, were in the, you know, working on rockets yourself or you have other stories or whatever it may be, you know, reach out to us that way. Now, when you were out there living in Moscow, mm-hmm. I mean, that was quite unique. I mean, obviously, you grew up in the States, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. <clears throat> so you, you lived there for several years. Tell us a little bit about the dynamic of, because, you know, it's not just living there and working there. It's, it's really kind of doing business there. Yes. And it's another culture, another, I mean, totally different you have, uh, situation you, than here, right? You certainly have captured some key words there. It's all about change. And, of course, mm-hmm. the Russian a government, uh, the Russian economy, the, the country as a whole, and of course the people in it were experiencing change at a very, very rapid rate. And I've always been uh, very interested in the study of leadership. Everything, everything rises or falls on leadership, a quote mm-hmm. by Dr. John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. So as my experience in, in the workforce went along from decade to decade, really, I became very keenly aware that, yes, everything does rise or fall on leadership. So then I saw multicultural leadership in Brazil and in Europe and then living in Moscow. And I realized very, very early on in my career and continuing that leaders are important. They're influential. And that controlled explosion that you talked about, leaders control that explosion. Mm -hmm. Organizational dynamics are so, so key and so important in sustaining and building an organization. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and folks, that's really important if you're out there and you're a large business, regardless of the size, or whether you're in a situation where you're a smaller business with just a few employees and very focused in your craft, you know, it's really important to make sure that you're putting the things and taking the steps necessary to sharpen your leadership. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, How do you sharpen that leadership and how does it cause you to be in a place where you can lead better, become more effective? Because it's all about really maximizing time, isn't it? Time is very important. Yeah, it's and the only thing we can't get more of, right? That's right. It's a non-renewable organizational resource. Mm. One, one of my research interests is in the dynamic of time, how an organization perceives time, how they use, how they expend that non-renewable organizational resource. Mm. So leadership is important. It, it's, uh, it's both a skill to learn, and it's also an art to practice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, isn't it? 
And the longer you stay on that road of leadership, of course, the closer you get to your destination. Mm. Never quite get there because you always perceive that there's that next step, that mm. next rung up the ladder in, in the practice of leadership. And that's important. Well, I think it's the idea of, you know, Dr. Grizzly, you're talking about improving yourself and, and constantly mm-hmm. improving. And, you know, if you ever feel like you've arrived, you're probably thinking wrong. You probably got some pride going on there. And that's really important to address. Folks, again, at any time, if you have any questions or if you missed the first part of the segment or you want to listen to any other segments, feel free to visit us at leanonthewall.com. Again, that's leanonthewall.com. Or join us in the conversation and send a tweet to us at at leanonthewall. Again, at leanonthewall. And we're talking here with uh, Dr. Paul Greasley, again, retired from Pratt Whitney, real rocket scientist, worked on space shuttles, all kind of different Russian technology as well. And I thought it was kind of interesting as I was looking at your bio here. I saw you had in here that you were a truck driver. Or is, is that the case? What? That is very true. When I was <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. When I was 18 years old, I actually went to learn how to get uh, to drive a large tractor trailer. Mm-hmm. I've had my class A driver's license since I was 18 years old mm. and used it quite a bit when I was working for Mack Trucks before the rocket science Is that career. right? Yeah. Okay. And I still enjoyed driving the big rigs. Okay. And again, my it, it's all about product, transportation, anything that moves and makes smoke and fire and, and a lot of noise. That's where I spent my life. And what would you say would be one or two things that would be maybe interesting inside track that you're able to share? I know probably some of it's sure. confidential, but you're able to share uh, with listeners that was really kind of a unique experience that you had uh, while working at Pratt Whitney or even in Moscow or wherever you were. Yeah. And I'd like to link that to the study of leadership. Mm. I think we all recognize good leadership when we experience it. Mm-hmm. We just know this is really good. I'm I'm comfortable here. I'm making a difference. And the people around me and I are teamed together to make a difference. I'm really experiencing good leadership. Conversely, when we, we struggle unnecessarily when we experience poor leadership, mm-hmm. it just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel good at, at this moment. There's something that's not balanced correctly. I'm out of alignment with where we should be going, and I feel it. Mm. Uh, again, it's about the leader, it's, it's, and it's, it's not just one organization. It's multicultural, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the study of leadership is pervasive in all cultures. Mm-hmm. I think that society as a whole depends on leaders to make things happen. Sure. And, uh, you know, it was very, very interesting to me to see, to experience both good and poor leadership over the decades. So you had some positive leadership inside Pratt Whitney. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. It was one of the most exciting, dynamic, encouraging, interesting places to spend your time mm. and to make an impact and make a difference. We're here. We're joined in studio with Dr. Paul Greasley. And uh, we're talking about some of his history as well as leadership. We're going to jump into that. He's doing some other things that are kind of neat uh, and kind of helping lead teams and, and lead businesses mm-hmm. as far as their overall structure. But again, if you've missed the first part of the uh, segment, feel free to visit us at Lean on the Wall. That's our uh, Twitter handle, at Lean on the Wall. Go ahead and join the conversation and, and send a tweet out if you'd like, or go ahead and visit leanonthewall.com if you want to listen to the previous segment or uh, any previous segments that we had missed. Now, we, we want to uh, kind of save some of these things for the next segment because we're coming close to time here. Uh, but next segment, you're not going to want to miss, folks. We're going to talk about the idea of sources of leadership, influence. In other words, where that in- influence comes from and where it should be coming from for leadership. Because regardless of what you do, you're a leader. You know, whether you're at home and you're working with uh, children or whether you're leading your own kids as far as a father, mother, whether you're having a spouse, you know, leading one to another, 
whether you're in, in the business front and you're in a situation where you are now leading a company or leading employees, or maybe you're in a nonprofit and you have to lead with an idea. So leadership really affects us in all phases of life. We're going to talk about that and the importance for the right influences there. So you're not going to want to miss that. Hang around. We'll be right back just after this. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com. And to see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review, call toll-free 866-943-2351. That's 866-943-2351. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to The Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined by Dr. Paul Greasley today in this show, and he's uh, retired from Pratt Whitney. Uh, really neat story. He's actually a real rocket scientist. He, he worked on space shuttles here uh, domestically and also worked with uh, some Russian rocket technology. We talked last segment about some of that and the RD1 uh, and some of the other things that have happened. And uh, we talked about the idea of a controlled explosion, some of the things that he's seen and trying to really control those explosions in the right way and how that affects. And, and not only in the, in the uh, rocket world, you know, many of us out there are not rocket scientists. So you say, how does, how does some of that affect us? Well, obviously, a con controlled explosion can affect us if we take uh, that thinking and that thought process and apply it to our life to say, okay, what can we do to line up all the pieces to allow us to have the right influences, the right leadership, become the right leaders. So that way we can have the kind of controlled explosion we want to get us to where we want to go in life. And I know, um, uh, Dr. Heasley, we were talking a little bit about a definition of a leader and what that looks like. And of course, the reason, folks, we wanted to kind of enter into this a little bit is he's had the opportunity after over 30 years of working with Pratt Whitney, uh, becoming retired and continuing his education, continuing what he's doing, and uh, just has a passion to help leaders kind of really be better uh, as he's seen poor leadership and, and strong leadership over the years and in his high level demands and high level positions as time moves along. So, Paul, from your definition, what would you say uh, would be a definition that you would have of leadership? Of your, I know you've done a lot of study on this and a lot of, a lot of thought through this, but what would be your kind of overview as far as what you see a leader to be? Well, that's a great question, Michael. Uh, there certainly are many, many definitions of a leader. And if we could draw it back with the analogy of rocket science, we talked about a controlled explosion. Mm -hmm. Getting that explosion started is very critical. And then stopping that explosion, that controlled explosion, again, is very critical. Mm. So if we connect the dots between that and leadership, what is a leader? Well, a leader needs to get things started, mm -hmm. okay? The first step is for the leader to have a vision of the future. A vision of the future that is more attractive than it is today. Mm -hmm. A vision of a future state that is a magnet pulling him in that direction that just is a vision. It's, it's a strong vision. It, it, it motivates him to do something daily. Well, we need to sustain that explosion, don't we? And that's the next step in the, in the, defini in the definition of a leader. It's when the leader comes alongside his vision, his personal vision, and uses his own time, his own energy, his own resources to 
achieve his vision, that future attractive state that is better than today. Hmm. Well, we need then to draw the end and say, well, we need to control that explosion. We need to perhaps shut it down or change it a little bit. And the most important and the most difficult part of the definition of a leader is when he goes and then tries to influence others and convince them to join him in achieving his vision of the future, that clarity, that, that, that state of the future that is different and better than today. So attaining that vision is what it's all about. It's the most difficult part of leadership. It's easy enough to get that vision to get started. It's easy enough to use your own personal resources. And then the third part is I need to convince others. I need to influence others to join me in creating that vision and sustaining that vision and ultimately developing a legacy, shutting down that vision, that legacy of leadership as it moves into the future. Yeah. You know, and and folks, when you look at that, as far as uh, really sharing that vision and and sending it out, I I think it reminds me, uh, Dr. Eastley, of Zig Ziglar talking about the idea of, you know, telling is not selling. Mm, um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, I think what's happened a lot of times, and, and this is probably the case, you've probably seen this in your years at Pratt Whitney as well, uh, where sometimes there was an idea that was come out that somebody just thought it was just the best idea ever. Mm-hmm. And it kind of really went to sell it and sell it and sell it and sell it. But unfortunately, it wasn't the best for the overall organization or the uh, situation, you know, uh, the course of action or where they're actually trying to go as a group. And so it's the idea I believe it's called the Socratic method of leading people to a decision. It's the idea of asking questions, right? It's asking enough questions to allow them the ability to get there with you. And, and that's really important. What would you say is in relation to that? Because obviously, you know, when you talk about being a rocket scientist and you talk about working on these space shuttles, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, you, you're in a situation where you're taking human lives and you're putting Correct. them inside of this machine, basically. Correct. And you're sending them into another atmosphere, and you're hoping that everything works out. <laughs> well, it's beyond hope. It yeah. Is, of course, it's that triple redundancy of critical systems. It's mm. that uh, confidence that you have in your design and the execution of that design and the manufacture, and then getting ready for a launch day. Yeah. So it's a, it's a progressive thing, just mm. like leadership. Mm-hmm. If you can draw that analogy again to launching a rocket, to yep. developing your own personal study of leadership. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I knew that for you is it's a lot of tests and a lot of analysis and a lot of things. And, and that's one of the things that's kind of neat as far as, as you've studied this. By the way, at any point in time, folks, if you have any questions, uh, you want to you join the show, feel free to send a tweet to at LeanOnTheWall or uh, visit LeanOnTheWall.com. Now, in addition, Dr. Greasley has some information that he's put out there. Uh, again, quite, of an experience, quite experience, quite a story. And you can visit him, really learn more about him at Timely. It's called TimelyLeadership.com. That's T-I-M-E-L-Y Leadership.com. And you can learn a little bit more about Dr. Greasley and some of what he's done and what he's doing to help you along your way. Now, we were talking about the idea of controlled explosion and why that's important and what, and what matters. And then we were also talking, we mentioned this segment, we talk, uh, Dr. Greasley, about the idea of the sources of leadership. Uh, you know, important. the power and influence. In other words, where you're getting, I, I remember the story, there was a story of someone that, you know, oftentimes in life, people will give us advice. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear that all the time, you Absolutely. know, young, young parents with children, everybody, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe even people giving them advice that have never had children. <laughs> That's true too. But, you know, oftentimes what happens is, is, you know, people give advice because they care about you, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily always have the right advice to give you based on your situation. So how does someone go out there understand what is the best places to find uh, the right 
uh, leadership, you know, to influence them to get them where they want to go. Well, let me take you to a real life example of, of, of the many times that we're involved in meetings, meeting with others, networking, connecting, trying to build something that uh, has not existed before. Well, that, that environment requires a leader. And at the beginning of a meeting, you notice probably that one person exhibits some leadership. And then at different times during the meeting, different people demonstrate leadership. So where are their sources of leadership? Where are they getting that leadership? Where are they getting that advice to counsel you with? Well, the most obvious source of leadership is legitimate power. Uh, and that's a positional or an organizational power. It's on the org chart, we say. You know, mm. you're name at the top with with the title manager Mm -hmm. or a leader or supervisor or exec or whatever that it is, you're in a position of leadership and that gives you certain influence, certain power in that environment. Well, then all of a sudden you see the dynamics in in that uh, situation change and the meeting changes a little bit and all of a sudden someone steps up and talks about a very specific area of expertise that they have. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's technical, maybe it's whatever, but it demands an expert uh, in that area to step up and take the lead. Well, there is a second source of leadership, the first being a positional source of leadership, and the second being an expert, someone that knows a little bit more than, than someone else. They're exerting their influence and their power. Well, then there's a third area of leadership influence, and that's reward power person who has the resources in at their touch to re- provide recognition to someone else. But recognition is a very important thing. You want to recognize someone like they want to be recognized. Mm-hmm. If you give someone a plaque who doesn't want a plaque, that plaque means nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, you say, how can I discover someone's uh, a recognition, a preference? Walk into their cubicle, talk to them, notice what's on the wall. If they have uh, pictures of their family, if they have pictures of uh, sports events that they, they have won or, or something like that, you know that that is what motivates them and that's the kind of recognition that they enjoy. So you have a reward power or a reward influence is number three. The fourth one then is coercive power. And this is the power that you have to withhold or the power that you have to even punish if mm-hmm. there's if, if that requires mm-hmm. uh, you know stepping to that level. So there is a coercive power. Another one that I really think that deserves additional attention is something called referent power. And that means I want to be like you. Mm-hmm. You are demonstrating a characteristics, behavior, or something that I admire. Something I want to be just like you. That is a source of power. It's a very legitimate and a very real source of power. I want to be like you. I remember as far back as my second grade teacher had a tremendous influence on me. I wanted to be just like her, and she loved math. I love math. Mm. And I just wonder how much influence she had on me over the decades of studying math and science. But there's a new power out there that I think also that we need to think about, and that's the power of multimedia. Mm-hmm. As things change and keep changing and the rate of change keeps going up, someone that understands and effectively uses uh, social media certainly has a source of power that others don't. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. That's, that's exactly, uh, Dr. Geesley, why we've seen a lot of the, we're seeing more and more consultants and people, PR companies, et cetera, that their focus is helping you, helping businesses, helping people with the social media component. I mean, where else in the world, you know, I talked a couple of weeks ago on media talking about uh, a company called Facebook, which you've all heard of before, you know, and it's something like, 
you know, I can't remember the exact statistics of how many of our, our, out of every people in the world. It's like something like one out of every five or one out of every seven people in the world have a Facebook account. That is huge. And, huge. and when, you, when you look at that, uh, the, the generation and the population that is actually signing up more and utilizing Facebook more than, than any other generation is the boomers. And what's interesting, I, I believe that's the reason that is, is because, you know, we live in a world that is so uh, diverse and, and it's, it's not like it was uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And a lot of families are in a situation where obviously both husband and wife works. And that's been the case for some time. But now a lot of kids, they go to college, they're spread out, they're all over the place. So interacting and understanding the, how things change and, and what matters with the culture today is, is, again, as you were mentioning, one of the great ways that we can invoke and really produce quality leadership for people. By the way, folks, at any point in time, if you, again, if you have questions, you want to join the show, send a tweet out to at Lean on the Wall. Again, the uh, Twitter handle is at Lean on the Wall. Uh, or if you, you missed the first segment, feel free to visit us at leanonthewall.com. Again, leanonthewall.com, and you can check out uh, the previous link, any other segments, that sort of thing. We got, a, we got just about a minute here. Uh, is there kind of just a quick, interesting story yes. you can share um, that, that we can kind of segue, segue into, and then we'll kind of pick up next time? Go ahead. Why I think this is important is that when a leader gets into a meeting, into a situation, into an environment that requires leadership, mm -hmm. they should know their sources of power, their sources of influence, not because they can control, but because they can make a positive difference in that environment. Mm -hmm. can be more effective, more efficient, and achieve a stronger outcome in achieving that vision of the leader. So understanding your sources and, and really where you are in life, folks, <clears throat> where, what you need to do to improve and kind of move up the ladder and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, understanding really what that looks like. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later about the idea of are you uh, leading, managing or supervising? You know, you think what would be the difference between those? Well, obviously, there is uh, there is a difference. I mean, you need to understand that. We're also going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, Dr. Greasley's history and we're hopefully pull out from him uh, some fun stories that he's had and experienced. Uh, that I think you're going to enjoy because there's not many of us that have been in a situation where we've worked on uh, rocket ships before. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit later in the show, but hang tight. We'll be right back right after this. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com and see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review. Call toll-free 866-943-2351, 866-943-2351. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined today by a special guest, Dr. Paul Greasley. He's a, uh, was a rocket scientist, I guess kind of still sort of is, <laughs> worked on space shuttles and then Russian rocket technology. He retired from Pratt Whitney a little while back, and he's also the uh, CEO, president, and founder, I should say, of Timely Leadership Consulting. You can check him out at timelyleadership.com. And we had the privilege and in, in the, really the opportunity to be joined this segment as well with uh, Danny Lasseter. Of course, as you know, Danny is uh, my partner in Wall Lasseter & Company. We have three different companies, Wall Financial Group, Retire Well, and Wall Lasseter & Company, all really designed to manage and oversee the financial affairs of higher net worth clients. 
Higher Net Worth families. And Jenny, Danny had the opportunity to be able to join us this segment. <laughs> Danny, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Mike. I always enjoy being on the show. Awesome. Awesome. So we're talking about the idea of leading, managing, or supervising. And this is really important because, you know, sometimes folks, you're out there and you might be leading and you think you're actually leading people, but you're not. So we wanted to talk about what it looks like to be a well-rounded leader and, and what that means. So Dr. Reesley, help us uh, a little bit with the difference between just really? kind of in an overview, not real mm -hmm. deep yet, but a real overview of leading, managing, or supervising. What's kind of a quick overview of that? Sounds good. Of course, leadership involves many different skills, and each mm -hmm. one of them must be considered in context and mm -hmm. practiced in context. A leader's got to be situationally aware of where he is and what he's doing. So is it important? Are, are there differences between leading, managing, or supervising? And, and yes, there are. And are these differences important? And I think, yes, they are. Here are some points to ponder. A lot of people think of leaders at the top of an organization. They talk about managers somewhere in the middle. We talk about mm -hmm. middle managers. Mm -hmm. And then supervisors that work somewhere at, at the lower levels of the organization that really interface between the business and the people. So yes, there are differences and they're important differences. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's important to know. So from your perspective, I know, Danny, you've been in a situation where working for some different law firms and uh, primarily Gunster was, was the main one in, in the past. And of course, now you're in a leadership role uh, with Wall Lasseter. But you're also, what I thought was kind of interesting is you're pretty instrumental uh, at the Big Dog Ranch, which is a, uh, a really, really neat organization that helps, you know, protect animals uh, because it's kind of a big epidemic today. A lot of, a lot of animals that are left to go and left by the, by the lonesome, so to speak, or even put down because they don't have a home. And I know that you've seen a lot of benefits of, of the right kind of leadership there. Could you share with us a little bit of what you've seen uh, and being really instrumental and involved there? Absolutely, Mike. And first and foremost, the Big Dog Ranch Rescue is one of the is is the largest non kill facility in the southeast, which is wonderful because mm. I, I started back in two thousand and nine with the organization and we only had fifty dogs at that time. Mm -hmm. Fifty at a time. And now we have probably two hundred and fifty to three hundred dogs at one time, which is absolutely phenomenal. And it really is about leadership and maximizing the roles and and really not one person can't do it all. Mm -hmm. um, there really has to be some structure there. Uh, and that's kind of, we kind of figured things out as a volunteer organization. We figured things out as we went along. Uh, and it's kind of trial and error. Leadership, you have to let people, you have to put people in that role and then you have to let them make the mistakes. And really that's kind of how it went along. And over the years, I've been in numerous different positions for the organization from foster coordinator to volunteer manager to, you know, now I sit on the advisory board of directors and it's really just finding that right fit. And it's taken me this long because, you know, as you'd mentioned, I'm also, you know, involved in the partner in Wall Lasseter. And so I really don't have the time to be, you know, in the manager type roles anymore. Those are the people that are more hands-on with the organization. I, you know, now from my role, I'm able to help at, you know, at the corporate level and help with legal matters. And then I also, on the back end, I'm also fostering, but not as many as I used to, Mike, because yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. It definitely takes a lot of time. And I know, uh, Dr. Greasley, we talked about, or you mentioned here in some of your notes, which I thought was interesting, I wanted to get you to comment on a little bit. You mentioned about the idea here that management is about arranging and telling, and leadership is about nurturing and enhancing. And what, what can be some things, you know, there's some folks out there that maybe they're not the CEOs of a company, mm -hmm. okay? But they maybe are high-level managers. Yes. Uh, what are some steps that they can take, just real tangible, to improve yep. their leadership themselves? 
I, I, I will tell you this, Michael, that you can lead from second place. Mm. I have demonstrated that myself. I've seen other people lead from second place. You can lead from any place in an organization. Mm. It's just a matter of stepping up and using your influence and using your sources of influence, as we talked about before. But yes, leadership is about nurturing and enhancing, whereas management is about arranging and telling. Mm. It's communication. Communication is a very key element in mm. uh, establishing your leadership. Know what you want to say and, and, and clarify it and express that in, in, in numerous ways, in ways that people understand. People have a learning preference. People have a communication preference. It's important that we understand what that is and then we use it effectively. Mm. Let me share with you an interesting story. Uh, I was in a multicultural situation one time and uh, I said, you know, we really need to spend some time with our translator. So we get to know how he <laughs> expects us to talk. We need to speak clearly. We need to form complete sentences. We need to, he, he needs to understand our slang. Mm -hmm. He needs to give us pointers and we need to learn how to work with him. Well, we just didn't have time to do it. And I thought, you know, we just might pay for this. Mm -hmm. So we get into our, our final contract negotiations. We were at the end of a long week of negotiating back and forth and back and forth, a lot of changes. And we were ready to sign the contract and our, a fellow who was kind of heading the team says, let's get this, let's execute this contract. Let's move ahead. Let's sign this contract. Let's execute this contract. Well, you know what? You know how the translator translated, execute the contract? Let's kill this contract. Oh, wow. Serious. Wow. Serious, true story. Mm. So all of a sudden, the, the atmosphere <laughs> in the room changed. It was like the air just evaporated out, wow. out of the room. Wow. Mm. And we didn't understand what happened. Mm -hmm. we, we, we weren't, you know, a conversant in the foreign language. Yeah, what in the world's know? going on here? Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, everything changes. And we notice uh, a little bit of body language change, a little bit of vocal change, a little bit of words and change, a little bit of appearance change. After over an hour, it seemed like forever, we finally came to the point where we realized the word execute had been, had been translated. Let's kill this contract. Wow. Rather than let's sign it and move ahead. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? True story. Yeah. So communication is is huge, and of course, if you're married, you know that that's that's important. <laughs> Even if you're not married and and you're you're in business, communication is 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 valuable. I know, you know, one of the things, Danny, that we've talked about in communicating with um, some of the high level or higher level, you know, entrepreneurs and incomers that we connect with through Wall Lasseter. That you, you, we were just talking this morning, just a little bit about some of that and, you know, really communicating effectively to them what their expectations really should be. And uh, what are some of the things that you've seen in relation to that on the communication side that can, you know, really be important for the listeners out there to say, you know, it's important to make sure you get the whole story. And it's important that when you're looking at what you do in life, you're looking at things correctly. Absolutely. Mike, that's a great point. And, you know, it made me think, um, when Paul was talking, it made me think of the book, The Five Love Languages. Mm. And, you know, it, it's really, it, it kind of, it reminds me of that because everybody loves differently and they mm. communicate their love differently. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, as leaders and, you know, business leaders, we have to be able to speak the other person's language. I mean, it might not be love language, but we have to be able to speak their language. And it's really important. And as we see it, uh, we have clients coming in that need, you know, tax plans. They want to save money in taxes every year. And really, a lot of these people have no idea when you try to, you don't want to speak, you know, you don't want to speak the tax lingo to them. You don't want to say, well, according to this IRS code, you know, that, that bores people and they mm -hmm. don't understand it. 
So really it's important to understand what their goals are and to be able to convey your knowledge in their language. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the reason, by the way, folks, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you are in a situation where you have a funny story or an interesting thought on a communication uh, faux pas, so to speak, that you've experienced in the past, join the conversation and send us a tweet at lean on the wall again, at lean on the wall. Uh, but the idea there is really, I think, making sure that you understand uh, your end user, right? I mean, understand who you're dealing with, who you're talking to. And some people need to be in a situation, depending on their level of uh, expertise, depending on just their makeup, their their design, how they're, how they're driven, how they're wired. Some people need to be in a situation where they need a very thorough, in-the-weeds explana- explanation. But then there's others, Danny, as you had mentioned, that are just in a situation where they just kind of need, give me the overview, give mm-hmm. me the big picture, and I'm good with that. And so in communicating with, with leadership and, and, and in businesses, uh, Dr. Grisley, what do you see is uh, some of the some of the big misunderstandings maybe from other uh, other managers or supervisors or whatever as they're interacting with their current staff, employees, and that sort of thing? Excellent question. What I think the most fundamental misunderstanding is that communication has occurred, mm. and there is mm. understanding and clarity on the on, on the standpoint of the listener. And you wonder sometimes at the end of the meeting, someone goes off and does the complete opposite of what everyone was agreed to. Well, somebody didn't get it. Mm. And it may not have been that person. It could have been poor communication. Mm. So it is extremely important to understand uh, communication style, a communication practice, whether you're leading, managing, or supervising at that moment in time. And you say at the end of the day, it's all the same anyway. Well, no, at the end of the day, it might be, but during the day, it's not. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a staff meeting, a conversation, a telephone call, uh, some agreement, it depends on what is understood as what happens after that understanding takes place. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it. You know, communication has occurred. I, I like to use the idea of uh, leaving an imprint, you know. Mm. Well, folks, this has been, uh, hopefully, it's been insightful for you. We're going to continue on. And before we do, um, I, I want to sh- share a thought. We're going to talk next segment about the idea of how Dr. Goosley, he was, again, he was a rocket scientist, but he stepped out. And after he retired, uh, he continued his education and he kind of decided, and I think this is really out of the idea and desire to be a servant leader himself, you know, from the perspective of realizing that there was a need in this industry, in, in the leadership industry. There's, you know, there's so many books out there. There's so much information out there on leadership. There's so much information out there on communication. There's information all over the place. But how do you know you're going to the right place to find the information that you really need? And so what's really, really important is when you do this, that not only do you do your research, our job and our goal here today and with these shows each and every week is to be able to share with you thoughts and ideas that we can bring to you folks that have been vetted out, that have done a great job in the past, have have a great history, and that can share with you things to help you get you where you want to go. Some of you are in a situation where maybe you've got a very successful business already and you just kind of want to refine that. You want to, you want to get that in a place where it's just even a little bit sharper, a little bit better. Some of you are in a place where maybe you're, you're uh, you know, like doc, Dr. Greasley, where you're retiring from an occupation or a high-level, C-level, whatever position, and you're just saying, you know, I don't want to just kind of coast for home, so to speak. I want to kind of do something more. I want to add value. Maybe they want to start a business, something they've always wanted to do. How do you do that? Well, Dr. Greasley's done that. We're going to talk about that next segment a little bit more. So hang around. You're not going to want to miss that. And we'll be right back just after this.
With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com. And to see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review, call toll-free 866-943-2351. That's 866-943-2351. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. And again, I'm your host, Michael Wall. We're joined today with uh, Dr. Paul Greasley. He's a rocket scientist engineer, uh, really retired from Pratt Whitney and worked on um, uh, U.S. space shuttles as well as Russian rocket technology. Really, a, really an interesting story. We're also joined by uh, Danny Lasseter. She is our partner in Wall Lasseter & Company and has, some ex has had really a lot of extensive experience working in uh, the litigation and business side of law, as well as uh, in, in Wall Lasseter, helping our clients achieve uh, high tax savings or you know, significant tax savings, I guess you should, I should say, over time. If you miss the first two or three segments, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. Uh, you can click on the Wealth and Health Show, and you'll be able to listen to the previous segments as well as other shows that we talked about, a variety of different things. Again, the goal of the show is to interview. We've had the opportunity and blessing to really interview different C-level executives, masters of their craft, anywhere from the health to the wealth side of life. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if, if we're in a situation where we have obtained wealth and we grew wealth and we're living this lifestyle that now we can kind of buy and do whatever we want to do, but our health suffers, you know, really, what's, what's the benefit to that? So we want to make sure we take in a well-rounded approach and sharing thoughts and expertise uh, to you, our listeners. As, uh, as our added service and value to you. And we're talking this segment about the idea of servant leadership and, and what that means and what that is. And, and maybe, uh, Dr. Isi, I'll let you start out here and just kind of talk about a little bit of the difference there sure. and what that means, obviously, because you mentioned off-segment that the idea of the word servant is not looked at real highly in our Western yes. culture here. That's very true. There, there, there's a popular buzzword in our society now called servant leadership. You, you hear people say it, you see it in, in, in writing. You say, well, what is this thing called servant leadership? And there's no clear definition when people use the word as to what it really is. There are many theories of leadership, transformational, transactional, charismatic, and, and a whole lot more. Uh, there's not a true theory of servant leadership yet. Perhaps there is one emerging as we, uh, as, as we do more and more research. But what is a servant leader? Who is a servant leader? In our Western society, as you mentioned, the, the term servant or the word servant doesn't have a real high connotation with it. Hmm. Uh, in, in, in other societies, that's just not true. In our Western society, uh, we, we don't want little Johnny or Billy or Susie to grow up to be a servant. It's not something that we aspire our children or our grandchildren to. We want them to be doctors, nurses, engineers, hmm. rocket scientists, financial planners, whatever. But... We all expect good service. Mm -hmm. We all want service. We think we're even entitled to service sometime, and we want the best service that we can get. Well, who provides service? A servant. Mm -hmm. So we should all be servants. We should all practice servant leadership. And I, I've kind of changed the name of servant leadership to something I call value-added leadership. Mm. When a leader comes alongside an organization and influences their employees, they are providing a value to them. And the more value we add, the better our leadership. Isn't that amazing, folks? If you think about that, 
you know, going through life. And again, it's it's the old adage of of uh, I remember I can't remember what president it was, but you know, uh, was it? He said, uh, "Ask not what your country can Kennedy. do." For, there you go. Thank you. I was just slipping my mind there. But he said, "You know, ask not what your country can do for you, but rather what you can do for your country." And uh, you know, we're not necessarily talking here today about what you can do for your country. We're talking about let's start even go even smaller than that. What can you do for the circle of influence around you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what does that look like? Where you are presently right now, and and taking taking the mindset of how can you add value, not just how can you make money or how can you get ahead in life or how can you whatever, all of those other things, if you focus on the things that really matter, all of those other things just kind of naturally happen. I remember when I got into the financial industry, you know, I've been in it now almost 15 years. And what's interesting is I met a gentleman back in 2002, I believe it was, 0203. Um, it was a long time ago, but I met him. And one of the things that he mentioned to me is he said, Mike, listen, if you stay focused on doing what matters, which is helping people first, mm-hmm. the money will come. And consequently, that's what we've seen over the years. I know, Danny, you've had a little bit of uh, interesting story as far as your background and working for a large law firm to coming to a smaller, more boutique setting, which is where we are now. But tell us a little bit about what what you've seen as far as leadership, the right kind of leadership and you know value added and what that looks like for the end result for consumers and what just what your experience has been there as well. Absolutely, Mike. You know, it's interesting because I came from, you know, a wonderful place. Uh, but, you know, I've seen in my experience that sometimes these bigger organizations are more like a machine. While you're, you know, you really are a servant and you're really, you know, you try to add value where you can, but a lot of times the machine just wants you to generate results and they don't care about, you know, adding any value per se. So, you know, coming to a boutique firm, uh, you know, and working with you, I mean, I know I'm talking to you, so, you know, I'm not trying to get brownie points here. but. <laughs> But, uh, you got a longer vacation? <laughs> or why, why we, let me make some notes here so I understand your yeah, core vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, but uh, paid for vacation. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, it's it's just a big, it's a huge transition because, you know, working with you and your staff, I can actually, you know, I can see, you know, the value that you're trying to bring to them. And it's not, you know, it, it's amazing to me because whether it be, you know, leadership, um, whether it be, you know, how to, you know, how to communicate effectively, whether it be, you know, our, our meetings, our, our weekly meetings where we talk about our goals and really trying to assess individually what our goals are, not just for the business, but for ourselves and where we want to go with our lives. It's amazing how much value, myself included, get out of, of speaking to people like you and how you run your business. And that really adds a lot of value because you're not just saying, you have to do this. It's, hey, what do you want to do? What is your end goal? You know, exa- you know and that's exactly what every business should be doing because the value does come. You're producing, you know, uh, now I, I've started listening to a bunch of the motivational speakers and myself, I'm, I feel more motivated every day when I get up. I have, my goals seem to be developing more, you know, you're adding that value and then your staff is going to produce better results mm-hmm. because they they feel like they're a part of the team. Mm-hmm. And that's really, you know, what it's about. Danny, that is really well said. I think you I hit the nail on the head with the essence of servant leadership. Uh, the focus is not on on you or on the leader. It's the focus of servant leadership or value at a leadership, as I say it, is on the other person. How can I serve the other person and add value to their lives? That's very powerful. Yeah, it sure is. You know, and immediately when you said that, as far as a machine, you know, the big companies, big organizations, and that sort of thing. It made me think of my mind immediately went to uh, private and public companies. 
Uh, and folks, if you're out there, by the way, and you've had different experiences working with a private or even a public company and you want to join the conversation, maybe you've had a good leadership experience, join the conversation. Go ahead and send us a tweet at Lean on the Wall again, at Lean on the Wall. Or if you want to want to check out the previous segments, go to and visit really leanonthewall.com. But private and public companies, and what that made me think of is, you know, obviously a publicly traded company is in a situation where they have certain requirements they must hit. They got to they got to be profitable, you know. And so now they're in a situation where uh, jobs become unimportant. Well, what really is a job? It's a person. It's a life. It's somebody's extension of, you know, everything they do in life. And 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 so that becomes unimportant. What becomes important in a larger company is the bottom line. And unfortunately. And by the way, there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong here with a larger company or bigger organizations. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the idea of saying, okay, let's take in a different approach because a private company, um, you know, one of the shows that we did just previously was um, with a senior exec from Kohler, Kohler, the Kohler company in Wisconsin. And, um, you know, we've, we've known uh, th those folks for a little, little while now. And what's interesting is, is as a private company, they have the ability to make changes and do things and do uh, what really whatever they want to do because they're a private company. They don't have to worry about the public shareholders and what their vote or what their opinions or what all of that may be. So, you know, that's where I think a varied uh, situation when it comes to businesses themselves, you know, I think that even of itself, think about your business kind of as you mentioned, Danny, with the idea of the end in mind. You know, what's the big picture? What do you want this to look like? And uh, that doesn't mean you don't shift and change your goals as you move along either. How about it, Dr. Reese? That's exactly right. So, so what is the heart of a servant leader? I think the heart of a servant leader says this. I want to do the right things mm -hmm. at the right time for the right reasons. Mm. And when you do that, there, there's, there's a certain integrity. There's, there's a certain trust that comes back to you when your staff, when your employees, when your coworkers understand that your, real, your heart is to do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting, folks. You you might be in a situation that's important. Right things at the right time. I know, you know, uh, I'm married. We'll be married 14 years this year. And uh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty awesome. Not not every day is fantastic, but if you're married, you know, it's it's all about the process and it's all about learning and growing. It's the way it is. But what what made me think about that is you're in a situation where sometimes you know that maybe you want to do something special for the person you're with, but Maybe you just said something that flew out of your mouth that shouldn't have been said. You're like, oh, why did I say that? I can't, you know, take that back. And now you want to go try and make it right immediately. And it, that's not always received uh, correctly at that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's important to do the right things at the right time. And again, again, that obviously that applies into, in companies because, you know, when we're dealing with companies, what are you dealing with? Well, again, you're dealing with people. And when you deal with people, you deal with emotions, you deal with personalities, you deal with, you know, what drives them. I know uh, we've been in a situation where I've had, had uh, some staff in the past where, you know, they've had some, some issues at home. And it's important for me to kind of say, okay, I know that we need to get X, Y, Z done. But right now, at mm -hmm. this time, I think what we need to do is kind of just step back and talk about what this looks like. Maybe we need to pray through this a little bit, read, ask for wisdom, you know, read scripture. That, that's a big part of my life, by the way, folks, as far as guidance and direction. But it's something where we're looking at, okay, we need to evaluate what's happening at the moment right now and step back and, and, and make sure that we're attentive to that. Would you agree with that? I would, I would truly agree with that. You really said that quite well. Let's look at a couple of the behavioral characteristics of a servant leader. I think one of them is humility. Hmm. And that's not being uh, always thinking of yourself in a negative situation, but it's having a proper sense of your own importance 
and your own working relationship with others and, and how that looks in practice. Humility is so important. So we're, we're just kind of coming close to the end of the time here. I want to encourage you, if you missed any part of the segments, we talked uh, first segment a little bit about, uh, we dove in a little deeper about rockets and, and what that looks like and, and all these different things, the engines, and we kind of talked about a variety of different things around leadership. But if you missed any of the segments, go to leanonthewall.com. Again, visit leanonthewall.com. You'll be able to the Wealth and Health Show, and uh, that'll take you to a place where you can listen to previous segments as well as uh, listen to other shows that you may be interested in. Uh, also, if you want to join the conversation at any time or you just want to respond to the show in any way, send us a tweet. Our, our Twitter handle is at leanonthewall. Again, at leanonthewall. And uh, if you have any more questions for Dr. Greasley, feel free to visit his uh, site and, and maybe he, his services may be of value to you. You can uh, determine that from your time of visiting his site, which is timelyleadership.com. Again, that's timely, T-I-M-E-L-Y, leadership.com. And uh, Dr. Paul Greasley, I just want to thank you for thank joining you. us today. It's, it's been a, been been a great a show. Yeah. Is, is there a universally preferred style of leadership? My answer is yes, and I think it's that value-added servant leadership. Mm. We all want to experience good service. Yeah, absolutely. Great great, uh, great note to leave us on. And folks, by the way, uh, next week, what I want you to think about before you listen to our show next week is what is one way that you can add value to someone uh, each day that can do nothing for you in return? Boy, what a world we'd have if, if everybody lived in that capacity. So I want to thank you for joining us. And again, here's to living well in any economy. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. You've been listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Information provided during The Wealth and Health Show is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.